Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Well, welcome to Compliance Clarified, the financial services compliance podcast of Thomson Reuters. Uh, this is Series 6, Episode 1, and we're wishing a fond farewell to Susanna Hammond, who launched this series, and looking forward to a new chapter in the uh, Compliance Clarified podcast. I'm Randall Mickelson, North American Managing Editor of Regulatory Intelligence, and I'm here with Henry Engler, the Senior Banking Editor in North America for Regulatory Intelligence. Um, And we're here to talk about texting. Shall we get to it, Henry? Absolutely. Yeah, there were big fines last month against some of the biggest Wall Street banks and top trading executives coming from U.S. uh, financial authorities. There's an investigation now spreading to investment industry funds. And what are they looking at? They're looking at texting and they are cracking down on texting, one of the most basic habits of uh, modern life. Some of the biggest banks were fined $125 million each. That includes Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley. Uh, This started back with JP Morgan last December. The um, Commodity Futures uh, trading Commission also find the banks their derivatives arms for swap deals and futures commission mergents. And the problem was off-channel communications, the, the kind of texting anybody might do with their friends or children or uh, in, in other industries with business colleagues. These were senior trading desk officials, senior bank executives communicating with with staff or externally with company customers, uh, other participants in the securities industry, despite their company policies banning such activities, personal email, chats on text messaging. Um, one banker had tens of thousands of messages that he uh, sent and received. These are all in strict violations of or in clear violations of rules from the U.S. securities and commodities regulators requiring retention of all business-related communications. Henry, what's going on here? Is this a behavioral issue? What? Why are employees doing this when both their companies and the regulators are banning it? Yes, well, um, good question. Um, I think there are a couple of things uh, that perhaps can illuminate uh, this type of behavior. One is, if you look at the settlement by the SEC and CFTC, and you look at the businesses which were uh, implicated in in this type of activity at these large firms, we're talking mostly about the trading side of these institutions. Um, We're not talking about commercial lending or consumer lending bankers getting caught up in this. And the one that, so that's the one thing that jumped out at me is that if you go back and you look at past scandals on Wall Street over the last 10 to 15 years, many of them have their roots on the trading, in the trading side of the business. Now, so why is that? I mean, why do you have, you know, people, and as you mentioned, very senior people? I, I think there were about 16 uh senior managers at either at the managing director or senior managing director level who were were implicated in this and of course those individuals run 
run trading desks, run businesses with hundreds and hundreds of employees reporting to them. So, so why is it that we have this disregard, as you as you pointed to, for for company policies that strictly prohibit the use of WhatsApp or other types of off-channel devices and platforms um, that can go undetected? And I think I think there are a couple of reasons, perhaps, behind this. And and I think this this doesn't receive enough attention is who are these businesses engaged with? And I would suspect that many of their customers are using devices that are not authorized within the banking institutions, the investment banking institutions um, that, that were alleged to have broken these rules. And so in this type of environment, in this kind of business relationship, you as a trader, you as a salesperson at whichever bank can pick them, um, you want to you want to keep an, your relationship with your customer happy. You want you want it to be a good one. And if your customer says, "Look, I'd really like to use this kind of you know device for communications," well, you're going to be hard pressed to say no even though the compliance people have said, well, you can't use that. And, and so I think that that is a, you know, is, is a very big pressure on these individuals on, the, on this side of the house, so to speak. And as we all know, the, the trading people in the trading businesses, their total compensation is, is very much skewed towards their bonuses. And so it, it's all dependent upon the amount of business and, and revenue that they drive uh, throughout the year. And if they start losing customers bef- because they say to them, well, I can't, sorry, I can't, I can't use this uh, device. Well, that's going to hurt their compensation. So the, the customer is king. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's an interesting point. I, I, um, I'm wondering just if some of these commercial apps just work better and, you know, people, it's like, you know, people just uh, find it more convenient. I, I saw a Goldman, a senior Goldman trader was quoted in one of the settlements as, as setting up a WhatsApp group in, in, uh, you know, several years ago. And, and he, he, he said, blackberries are too tedious. <laughs> um, you know, so is it just some, is part of it just a matter of finding what's what's quickest and easiest to use for some of these these people? Sure, sure. I, I, I think that that's probably, you know, a driver here as well. And, and I suspect that many of the bank's clients are working at organizations where there are less strict controls over the types of devices that they can use. And so perhaps they are gravitating to the newest and best type of platform, mm-hmm. um, which is more efficient and, and, and easier to use. Now, the industry has tried to set up their plat- different platforms, right? I, I, I think yep. uh, some of the big banks tried it. I know the, you know, the Bloombergs and Thomson Reuters have, have had messaging systems. Um, but the, but you're right. The industry seems to be gravitating toward the the commercial applications. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and so I think that that's that's another complicating factor in, in all this. Um, but again, it, I, I think it goes back to what your clients prefer. And and if your clients are using a certain device, 
or platform that uh, they feel is is more efficient and effective for them, um, it's going to be very hard for you as a senior managing director to tell your staff, well, you, you can't, you know, you, you, you have to tell your clients, we can't do the business with you because of this. And, and all of this became exacerbated during the COVID-19 crisis, of course, because you now had, you know, virtually everyone working remotely. And uh, so that's, that was another factor in, in, in kind of, you know, facilitating this, this type of off-channel communications. No, it's, you know, I find in my personal life, communicating with my kids, one, you know, one likes Snapchat, the other likes Signal, the other likes WhatsApp, and, you know, they, you've got, and, and if you want to reach them, you've got to use their yeah. preferred methods, otherwise they'll, they'll, they'll miss it all. And do you see that same thing in, in the trading industry? Yeah, no, absolutely. But the danger here, of course, and the one that the SEC, you know, is concerned about is that some of these devices have encrypted, you know, capabilities that could effectively lead to communications that cannot be captured yeah. or recorded or reported in the event that there's some sort of wrongdoing that's that's taking place. So that, you know. Well, and that brings up one the the same Goldman trader when he set up his his chat saying the blackberries are too tedious. He also said, you know, that that what is said on chat stays on chat, which implies something a little nefarious or that you're trying to hide something. Um, and what would be the innocent motivation for using these off-channel communications? Well, sure. I mean, it's 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 plain and simple. It's if you want to engage in some sort of, let's say, insider trading activity or front-running in the markets or you know, something that is you obviously want to conceal. You're working with your client. You may be working with other traders in some form of collusion in the marketplace. I mean, these are all things that, that worry the SEC, of course, and uh, other agencies because to the extent that People in the markets can communicate off-channel, and they're communicating using devices that are hard to track, that are encrypted. Um, that that could lead to the kind of behavior that um, puts investors at risk. I mean, if if yeah. you know, yeah. whenever you want to engage in something nefarious, you want to ensure that your communications are not being <laughs> recorded or picked up by someone. I mean, if you go back to the 1980s with the Big scandals on Wall Street. Ivan Bosky, for example, uh, people used to go down to the street and use a payphone to to call someone uh, because they didn't want the risk of being heard or recorded. Um, well, of course, we don't That's have payphones right. payphones anymore. But the you know some of these devices could be you know sort of the new payphone in a sense. Yeah, and wasn't there a case where they did? chew on a napkin and or put their put the tip on a napkin and then chew it up or something you know yeah, old-fashioned exactly. uh yeah. old-fashioned old erasing the tape exactly yeah now we the latest twist in this uh investigation is the sec is now asking um investment funds and their advisors about their practices over communications. Is this a sign they may be looking at kind of the other side of these conversations from the trading desks and, and, and looking for signs of collusion? Or is, do you think it's more of a matter of, of just seeing, uh, you know, are they following the same kind of record keeping practices as the trading desk might be? 
Well, no, I, I think it's very interesting that the SEC has, has announced this in the sense that if a lot of these investment funds are customers of the banks, um, then and they are the ones who are using uh, these types of devices much more proactively and therefore create this sort of tension between, you know, the regulated banking uh, world and, 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 and themselves because the bank, the bankers want to appease them and work with them and do business with them. Then it's interesting that the, that the SEC now wants to extend its reach and, and, and try to understand or explore what, what, what's going on in, in, in this, inv- in the investing world. And, and I just, you know, sort of would, you know, think about hedge funds as being a sort of primary focus here mm-hmm. because a, a lot of the, you know, that, that part of the non-banking world, number one is much less regulated than, than, you know, the banks that were implicated in this settlement. Um, and because they're less regulated, they're freer to use the newest and best types of communication devices that, um, that they, that they feel is efficient, you know, that is good for their business. And so I think looking into that part of the financial sector, um, and seeing how this will evolve, I mean, how much can the SEC control and enforce, uh, communication policies um, outside of you know its immediate uh, constituents. I, th- I think that that will be interesting to see how how that develops. The uh, yeah, what what are kind of the limits on what they can do, or what, what tools are available to the to the regulators, and and what are the limits they face? Well, I think in terms of tools, I think we've seen the SEC, for example, become much more sophisticated in its ability to track um, activities, uh, transactions in the industry than, say, five to ten years ago. Uh, They've invested a lot in technology, um, and and they're much better equipped to monitor what's going on. Um, In terms of enforcement, um, that's a good question. I don't know how, I mean, to the extent that these firms are registered with them, then I suspect that they are, you know, liable to investigations similar to any other large Wall Street firm. So it, 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 I think it remains to be seen how, how, what, what type of enforcement action they may wish to take in the future. But I guess they're putting putting that side of the financial sector on notice and and warning them that look we will come after you um, and you're registered with us, you're fair game and, and, and just like uh, any other f- firm on the street. So I would expect them to be as aggressive as, as they can be. I, I noted uh, in one of some of these cases, it appears that the SEC was able to do a pretty easy ex- overall examination of, of network traffic and find these huge volumes of in, of encrypted messages being sent over the over the networks, and and that would raise a red flag right there. Yeah, um, that there was something to to look at, and I I understand they they also have the capability of matching timing of traffic like that with trading activity. Um, another way to zero in 
and, and identify uh, wrong misconduct <clears throat> that might not have been available five or 10 years ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I, they've invested a lot in technology in recent years, and they have the tools now to monitor trading flows and patterns in a way that they've they've never had years ago. So uh, it's it, I, I think the encryption side of what you've described, I mean, that is obviously a challenge uh, to the extent that, you know, perhaps they are seeing some sort of suspicious behavior or collusion going on um, through through the monitoring of transactions and such and communications. But but then, you know, getting getting the actual communications, who said what to whom, when, um, yeah, that might be a little bit more challenging if 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 these players are using devices that are hard to uh, hard to crack in that sense. So that brings us to the compliance professionals and the compliance units at financial services firms. What's their role? How can they keep their companies out of trouble, keep their employees out of trouble and, and um, you know, make sure that the regulations are being followed in, in communications when there's, there's so much pressure to go around the uh, established policies? Yes. Well, I think compliance is in a real bind here, a real difficult position, because the factor of the matter is that uh, all of these companies have had communication policies in place long before the COVID crisis. It's very clear if you work for any of these organizations, what you can use and what you can't use. And if you're issued a company device, that is the device that you should be using to do business on and full stop. So, you know, in this case, what we've seen is, is, is a sort of blanket disregard for those policies. And what can compliance really do? Well, I, I'm sure that in each and every institution that was, was, was cited here that you've had compliance people warn the heads of these trading businesses that they should not be using WhatsApp or, or whatever type of tool that they and their clients prefer. I'm sure that those warnings were sent, I'm sure, pr probably not once, but repeatedly. But if, again, it, it goes back to the heart of the culture in, in, in these businesses, if you, if your compensation is structured such that, you know, you have to do business to get a large bonus at the end of the year and your clients want to use a certain type of communications device, well, then you're going to do it. You know, I mean, there's this old saying in, in, on the street that, you know, when compliance comes and they say, well, you can't do this trade with that person, the trader will say, well, if I don't do the trade, somebody else will. And 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 that that's probably as clear in this case as, as any. Uh, the fact that you've had all of these institutions basically say, look, we're going to do what we have to do to do business. And this is a very important part of the way business is done today. So compliance is really in a bind. I mean, they can only warn. I think it's it, it really is up to the very top of these institutions, the leaders to come down and say, look, we've got to put a stop to this if we really you know, want to. And that's good. That's got to be a real uh, reversal of practice. Um, you know, it's a cliche to say tone comes from the top, but in this case, it is. It's the, it's the the senior 
trading desk heads and so forth that are start start initiating a lot of these unauthorized communications and and making it a practice. Um, yeah. So the, yes, it seems clear that in, in in this case especially, compliance starts from the very top of the the organization. Absolutely, I I I think compliance is really limited in 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 the sense of how much they can do to curb this kind of behavior because it it's just it's it's become too integral to the to the way that these businesses work and interact with their clients and to stop it you need more than you know, senior compliance officer coming around and telling you, look, you know, you can't use this. And and what's interesting, I found this is so the SEC has asked that the compliance report these kinds of um, instances more frequently. Well, that it's hard for me to see that happening as well. I mean, for compliance to sort of go rogue and report to the SEC, well, you know, so-and-so has been mm. been using this device and that's, that's going to create... Tensions, yeah. So the, the, it would be uh, up to the up to the compliance team to to go to the company and say we need to report this. We need, yeah. We need your back. On, need you to have our backs on this. Yeah. That kind of process. Yeah, I, I think it's very hard to envision a situation where you have compliance sort of unilaterally reporting violations to the SEC without you know engaging the business themselves and saying, look, you know, this is this is the new reality here. You're putting us in a real bind. You know, the regulators are, are on top of us. So the SEC settlements did point, you know, to some, some, uh, compliance steps firms can take. Uh, they had, they had technological and, and process solutions. Um, one was just a, included, uh, reviewing all your message capture and monitoring technology, making sure that all the, all the available or known messaging apps are sort of fully integrated into surveillance systems, um, monitoring communications at the network level, which we've already discussed, you know, the SEC is doing it. We should, the, the firms themselves shouldn't be doing it at the same level of sophistication ensuring that that when the regulators come ask for your records of communications that you can get them easily and hand them over and don't seem to be stalling or lost or disorganized in any of that can training be an effective tool in in you know affecting a culture yeah i have my doubts about how far training can can resolve these issues because you know as we discussed earlier uh, it it's soon as you join one of these firms it's very clear from day one you you know exactly what you're allowed to do and 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 not allowed to do and use in terms of communication so you know you you can you can try to drill that home better i suppose or, or more clearly yeah. by having periodic training sessions uh reminding your employees what's 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 off limits so to speak. Um, but again, I think unless you deal with the core problem here, which just seems to me to be, this is the way business is done and it's a critical part of how it's done. And it, a lot of the pressure is coming from, you know, your client base. Um, it's going to be, you know, training is part of what needs to happen, of course. And, and I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't use that as a tool to combat this type of behavior, but but I, I think it can only take you so far. 
I guess same with attestations. You know, some some people have talked about well, more frequent att- attestations are necessary as, to serve as a reminder. But but again, those those aren't sort of behavioral tools, right? That would affect. But what about pay? Is it possible to connect it to pay? Connect compliance on messaging to pay somehow? It's either sanctions or incentives. Or- well, sure. Yeah, I, I suppose if if a firm is willing to take instances of non-compliance with its with the company's policies on, on these issues and basically you know dock compensation from employees perhaps th- uh, threaten to fire them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know show them the door i mean that's that that's pretty severe i think in the latter case, the issue then becomes, well, that individual who was let go could perhaps easily find a job across the street with some other firm who might not be as vigilant in terms of enforcing its its communication policy. So yeah. I think unless collectively the industry and these firms approach this in the same way, it's like in the past, if you... You know, if you're let go because you were found to be doing things that are, are against company policies, you're let go, and you know, a few months later, you wind up in, at, at some other firm. Yeah, you and you and I have talked about this in other contexts of the sort of the yeah. professional tribalism in which, yeah. uh, which the, the traders and whatnot may be more loyal or enculturated to the, their particular professional activity as opposed to the, f- the firm they work for. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the, the other part of that tribalism is that, again, going back to the clients that you have, if you're working at a certain firm and you have a large group of customers who, you know, really like working with you and they're there and they're, they're doing business with you year in and year out and all of a sudden you're you're let go of this firm well you can if you find a similar role at another firm it's likely that those those people will come along with you um yeah. that they will they will not see your dismissal as uh, as as a sign that they should stop doing business with you they'll just you know reconfigure their their links to you at your new firm and um off you go um so it that it's all part of this tribalism, as you say. You know, it, it, it's a culture, sort of, unto itself within these large financial institutions, and everyone benefits from you know doing business with one another. And and when things go wrong, well, okay, they go wrong at one place, and as I said, you know, odds are you can you can move on and and find a, a second life at another firm. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here today, and uh, it seems like the the U.S. regulators are determined to crack down on unauthorized communication, uh, but it's going on at widespread levels from the very tops of organizations uh, in Wall Street on trading desks, and now they're looking at hedge funds. Um, there are a lot of uh, behavioral and commercial reasons that this is taking place and uh, compliance has a few steps uh, to take to combat it. Getting the uh, buy-in from the top of the organization is at the top. There are technological and process solutions that the regulators have 
emphasize in their settlements. You can you can find those, but uh, it sounds like uh, regulators, compliance, and the firms themselves all have a pretty big hill to climb in uh, reining in the unauthorized use of communications in their organizations. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Compliance Clarified and, and tuning in, and uh, we'll look forward to the next podcast. Thanks very much. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.